Welcome to Founder Views. My name is Costa. I'm your host and co-founder of Web for Realty, a SaaS company that I bootstrapped out of my parents' basement with no money and no tech experience into a fully remote company doing seven figures in ARR. I'm taking you through my SaaS journey in real time as I talk about business situations I'm going through, thinking about, or just find interesting. My purpose is not to give you the answers, but to spark something in your mind that can help improve your business along the way. This episode is brought to you by Meet Edgar, the social media scheduling tool that manages itself. I've used a few social media apps and none have been nearly as effective as Meet Edgar. I have a ton of content on my blog that I've posted over the years, and my favorite feature is Edgar's auto variation tool, which automatically scans and pulls new quotes from my existing blog posts and repurposes those posts. It saves me a whole lot of time and helps continuously drive traffic to my website while putting my social media strategy on autopilot. I would definitely suggest it. Go to meetedgar.com to learn more. I couldn't be more excited to share this episode. I'm speaking with the man himself, Dan Martell. Dan has been one of my inspirations in the SaaS game, bar none. I haven't met too many people in SaaS who haven't got at least some value from Dan. He's built five companies and successfully exited three of those, most notably Flowtown and Clarity.fm. He's an investor in over 40 startups, including Intercom, Hootsuite, and Udemy, to name a few. For the past several years, Dan has been coaching some of the world's top SaaS founders to help them scale their businesses. He was also recently named top five YouTube channels for entrepreneurs in the world by Entrepreneur Magazine, which is pretty awesome. We're talking about several topics in this episode, including some of Dan's exclusive concepts, such as how to perfectly craft your messaging, how to build authority in your industry, what North Star metrics SaaS companies should be using, and much, much more. This is a jam-packed episode with so many amazing takeaways, so I really hope you enjoy it. And so without further ado, here's my chat with Dan Martell. All right, Dan, what a, what a pleasure it is to have you on the Founder Views podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Costa, absolutely my pleasure, man. So great to be here. Amazing. So for the very small handful of people who may not have heard of Dan Martell, can you tell our audience just a brief background about who you are, what you do, and why you have tens of thousands of SaaS founders currently following you? Dude, A, uh, I don't think anybody really knows me. So I, pr- I appreciate the sentiment, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I just I just do my thing for a very small focus uh, group of people in the world, uh, as you mentioned, SaaS founders. So it's a, it's a privilege. Um, you know, my quick story is um, learning to code and program saved my life as a 17-year-old. Uh, I ended up in a lot of trouble and uh, found myself in rehab. And it was there that I, I learned to program and, and it literally became my new addiction and uh, essentially kind of brought me onto the path of entrepreneurship, which, you know, for me really became, you know, the, 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 the gateway drug to personal development and growth. And, uh, you know, I just feel lucky and, and, and privileged to have people show up in my life that, you know, believed in me, even when I probably I definitely didn't believe in myself. And, you know, since then I've, I've built five companies. I've exited the last three. Um, the last two were venture backed out of San Francisco. You know, I've, I've, again, I, I don't share this to brag, but you know, gives context, right? Like at 27, I became a millionaire. Um, you know, I've, 
you know, financially been wealthy for a long time and, and continue to invest that um, primarily through uh, angel investing. So I've invested in some of the world's top you know, growth SaaS companies like Intercom, Hootsuite, Udemy, et cetera. Um, and what I do now pretty much for the last few years is I coach, I'm an executive coach to the world's top SaaS founders. You know, one of my clients, ClickFunnels, fastest bootstrap SaaS company to go from zero to hundred million in five years. Um, and then I also organize events like the one that we just recently got to hang out at the growth stacking summit, where I try to teach everything I've learned around building growth engines. Um, you know, essentially I've got a day to do it and it's a lot. I think as you can testify, um, I don't hold back. I want to make sure that I, I, I deliver as much as I can. And, um, and that's me, man. That's what I do. I've got a proud father, two little boys, Max and Noah. They're four and five. And uh, I spend the winters in San Diego, and I'm Canadian. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, just one thing, Tad, I guess the most, probably, uh, what's the term, popular or probably most known company that you exited, Clarity.fm, right? Are, are you still yeah. sort of involved it- with that? You know, I'm not. I re, I'm still an equity holder in the acquiring company. And funny you ask, because yesterday I got the report on how they're doing. So essentially, they acquired several companies, and Clarity being one of them. And I'm I'm pumped to see. Literally, they have not invested any. Uh, new resources into the platform and it continues to grow like a flywheel. Like it is so cool. Like that whole, you know, network effect when you build a platform and a, and a, and a two-sided marketplace um, and calls continue to grow. Revenue keeps growing. So, I mean, a, uh, it worked out great for both parties on the acquisition side, myself and um, the acquire, but um, it's just cool to continue. I mean, at the end of the day, I just want to see people get advice from the right people and get access. And that's why I built the platform. Yeah, that's amazing. Great news. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so we spoke off air a bit about uh, the Growth Stacking Summit in Boston. Uh, as you know, mm-hmm. I recently attended that a few weeks ago. I guess I was probably one of probably 40 or 50 or so attendees who flew in from literally all over the world for this one day event. Um, which was absolutely incredible, by the way. One of the best experiences I've had. Really glad I attended personally. Um, there, there are so many amazing takeaways that I brought back to my team that, that we started collaborating on and exploring further. But one very surprising observation I made was how, how many founders out there don't know how to simply tell someone what their company does without getting too confusing. I think something as simple and basic as that can can really pave the way in significantly improving a company's messaging, um, which eventually snowballs into a lot of other benefits for a company. Can you can you speak on that a bit and why that's so important for founders to learn? Yeah, so I I think you know as, as technical uh, folks, we're building software, right? And we have the bad habit of wanting to kind of show off how cool and neat and geeky uh, what we've built is. But um, the challenge is most people like don't understand that stuff, right? Like they're they're not you know they're not technical. They don't have that background. So one of the first things we did uh, at the event was the perfect intro. I really believe that understanding how you introduce yourself um, can transform your life. You know, I, I share the story of how I moved to San Francisco and for three weeks I just went to new coffee shops every day, just trying to literally just trying to connect with anybody. I, I didn't know a soul. And because of the way I responded to what do you do, 
um, people essentially ignored me and turned the other way. So, so that's why I think it's such a powerful thing to, um, to teach. And it's a really simple framework. My buddy Clay bear came up with, uh, that is just, I, and then, uh, I help. So actually not, we, not our organization. It's I help. Who do you help as a, as a primary customer? So is it not small businesses, but ideally, you know, flower shops would be a better answer and then, um, get result, right? So I help SaaS founders scale their business. That's mine. Really simple. If you know a SaaS founder, you'll probably refer them. And if you don't, totally cool. But at least it kind of explains what you do. And I just feel like, you know, another example, my friend Melanie, she's she's in the event spaces um, and she helps entrepreneurs create memorable experiences. Right. So like just short, sweet and connects. But it just it it ends up being the kind of the precursor to your landing page copy, your core customer avatar. I mean, just so many other components will come by how you explain how you get results for people and and who those people are. Yeah, I I totally agree. That was such a so simple and such a powerful exercise, especially after seeing founders improve you know their their intro after you know giving it a, a couple of practice shots and yeah you're right it just snowballs into a, so many other benefits in the messaging with your company as a whole well so, yeah. I, I mean costa if you don't mind i had one one um a client he's actually in my SAS academy program uh michael uh, from upbook.com and he he you know he just felt like he was struggling it was that day in boston where he finally got i think he shared his which is i help doctors turn calls into uh, customers. Yeah. Right. I, and I remember so, that one. Yeah. Remember that one? It's yeah. like, and all of a sudden his whole product strategy got clear. His whole marketing message got clear. It's like such a powerful thing. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so, so you've been involved in, in many things in your career, as you uh, mentioned earlier from starting businesses, selling companies, investing, coaching, mentoring, you name it. Um, so far in your young career, which is pretty incredible, by the way, considering how much you accomplished in such a short period of time and, and the fact you're, you're just getting started, really. But oh, 100%. <laughs> what has been the most rewarding part of your career thus far as an entrepreneur? Oh, man. Um, well, a big part of my life is actually working with at-risk youth, uh, helping them build their confidence through building businesses. And, you know, the 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 strategy's pretty straightforward is the way I think about it is the more successful that I can, you know, the, the more I can accomplish in my life, then the the bigger the example I can be for the kids. So if you ask me what's the thing I'm most proud of is the amount of teenagers that I I hope and I hear from it. So I, I, there's definitely a feedback loop that I've been able to inspire through the business success. So some people would be like, oh, the business success must be the thing you're most, I'm, I'm, it's actually, it's almost like a require, it's, it's a needed thing that I'm doing just to show people what's possible. Because I really believe that, you know, some of people that have gone through the most have the most to give. And and that is my message for these kids is you guys have so many innate skills and, and characteristics that would, would index towards entrepreneurship. If you could, you need like many of them don't even know this is a thing, right? So I would say just the amount of kids. I mean, at this point it's over 10,000 that I've been able to, you know, inspire and speak with and, and speak, you know, speak at, you know, different organizations and stuff. And, and, and that's a, that's probably the most thing I'm, I'm proud of. 
Wow, that's awesome. Very inspiring. Um, so you're obviously all in with, with coaching and mentoring by the looks of it. Do you see yourself ever building a company again? I don't know if I'll start a company again. I mean, the truth is, is, is most of the work I do now is more at the executive level, you know, just really helping with like growth strategy and sales processes and product strategy. So um, I definitely think there may be uh, a future where um, I'll start buying and holding SaaS companies as like a portfolio. But I don't think I need to start one because the truth is, is anytime I've had an idea, it just takes me a quick Google search or go on AngelList and I find somebody already doing it. And if I like it, I'd rather just invest like kind of I'm at the point now where I'm trying to find ways to leverage my capital and not my time. Like I don't want to invest my time anymore. I'm just trying to find smarter ways to kind of get leverage. And that's what that's what I love about coaching is I literally um, get to you know, um, get paid to spend my time with the smartest entrepreneurs in the world to help them grow their business, to teach me things that otherwise I wouldn't get access to at that level of velocity. So like, that's the cool thing about being an investor is that, um, you essentially get like MBAs, you know, business degrees in all these different businesses at scale fast. So that, that's, you know, why do I think I've been able to, you know, build and exit three companies in a 10 year period, a hundred percent because of the, the access to, um, you know, these companies that, that I was involved with helping them, um, and just seeing like what works and what doesn't work at scale. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, one other question I have, uh, just out of curiosity. So what's more rewarding to you, like exiting building and then exiting a company or sharing your experiences and mentoring young entrepreneurs and just watching them thrive and potentially exit? Uh, definitely the, the building of other people. I mean, the, the exit process is kind of, it's actually pretty empty. I mean, it's, it's a longer discussion, but, um, I don't know. I mean, it's that whole mountaintop, right? People think that the whole reason they get up every day is to get to some destination. And, you know, when you get there, you realize that the journey was actually the gift. So to me, the gift for me on a daily basis, and, and it's it's just part, like, I love to teach. I love to coach. I mean, it's, it's why I built Clarity. You know what I mean? I built a platform for other people to unlock this thing that I discovered and, and love, right? Just why, the reason why is I didn't have another tech friend when I was starting my first two companies. Like I lived in a town of a hundred thousand people. I didn't know another entrepreneur, let alone a technical person. And I fumbled and fell and got bruised knees and made mistakes. And, you know, so for me, you know, then transitioning, moving to San Francisco and, 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 and just seeing the quality of information and the, the generosity and all that stuff. Like, I just think that is, you know, and seeing the impact that you can have. Cause here, here's what it is for me, Kosa. It's not actually the person that I'm coaching that I'm most excited for. It's the people I know they're going to impact. So the, the thing for me is one founder. So for example, you know, one of my clients, um, uh, you know, as just as an example, uh, Jonathan at service autopilot, like he's got 120 employees, right? So like I work with Jonathan, help him become a better leader that's going to have a huge impact in his, at his organization. And I just think that to, that's my driving force. But that being said, yes, working with kids is the first and foremost. Um, but, you know, coaching other entrepreneurs um, is is kind of the, the more rewarded than, than any exit. Like 
again, it's just it's it's actually pretty empty when you actually go through it. Uh, you know what? I, I could actually relate to that. Obviously, on a smaller scale. Obviously, I don't have your level of credibility. Maybe not yet, but uh, mentoring and advising is something like I genuinely enjoy as well. Uh, you know, I often get people coming to me and asking for advice or help on certain topics, and and I love it. I think it would be such a a shame to keep your experiences bottled in when they can provide you know a ton of value for for people. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I have a blog and why I started this podcast. So yeah, definitely can relate to that. Yeah, I, I have a belief that we can only keep what we give away. Like that's a core belief in my soul. And to me, if you know how to do something, you don't teach it to somebody else, it's kind of wasted. 100% for sure. Um, so, so you've coached probably thousands of founders over the years. Um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. It, 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 like in regards to advise, easily thousands. I mean, I did 1,300 clarity calls in a two-year period, right? Wow. And that's, that's <laughs> only a two-year period. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so advise uh, thousands, um, coached. Like where there was a coaching relationship, um, over a hundred at this okay. point. Okay. Um, so, so my audience are mostly bootstrapped folks in, in the startup phase to let's say seven figure ARR range. What would you say are one or two of the most common challenges that SaaS founders are experiencing who are in that segment? Um, well, number one is product market fit. So at the end of the day, you know, ideas for for businesses come from so many different ways from, you know, personal need to friend recommends that there's an opportunity to just honestly a pure guess. So I think uh, the biggest challenge is is really working backwards from the customers and building something that's a must have, not a nice to have. So must have are vitamins. These are things that actually solve real problems. Nice to haves are, or sorry, must haves are painkillers. You know, like kind of things where if somebody had a headache, they would pay top dollar to fix, like a migraine. Somebody pay, you know, if I had a crazy migraine for a day, I'd probably pay a thousand bucks to get it to go away. Whereas, you know, selling a vitamin is a lot harder, and I think a lot of tools are vitamins. The good news is you can actually tweak it, you know, and that's what I talk about the growth uh, stacking some is like the positioning, right? Like how do you position the product? Who do you choose as a core customer? Because you might have 10 different potential segments or markets you can go after. And one of them considers considers it a painkiller and the rest of them just consider vitamins, right? So that's one I would say around product market fit. And then two is building a flywheel. For some reason, this whole growth hacking uh, culture took off and and at the early days people keep looking for these like magic pills or silver bullets on growth and and the truth is um, if if you're starting off the fastest most cost effective way in a repeatable scalable way to grow demand for an awareness for your product is through partnerships like that's it I mean, you could you could do Facebook ads, you could do blogging, you could do a referral program, you could try to go hack some APIs and do some outbound spammy type stuff. Like you name it, I've seen it. Um, if you want to move fast, you know, finding people that currently sell to your exist to the the target customer and finding a way to make it uh, worth their while to introduce you to those customers is going to get you the biggest ROI because essentially your partners subsidize your cost acquire customer. 
and 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 it doesn't require any capital up front to do that. So it's a great bootstrapper approach. Um, I call that sometimes the drafting strategy where you find somebody that's growing really fast that has access to your customer and figure out how you can draft against their growth. You see this in a digital format in like people that build on top of platforms like Stripe and Shopify, et cetera. But, you know, that's not always available to every company, but partnerships are. Yeah, that makes total sense. I feel like, you know, uh, people try and get too fancy nowadays with like how to grow and, and all this. Like, you know, everything you said, is it's a lot of like conventional wisdom and like almost like the fundamentals, man. There's a reason why yeah. they call fundamentals. They're foundational. And the challenge is a lot of these founders are, don't understand the fundamentals and they're trying to go for some fancy, you know, trick. And um, the tricks usually help. You know, the hacks are something that comes after you've got the flywheel. Right. Once I've got the momentum and I understand how to build a base of customers and I'm not trying to struggle, then you can start to experiment. But trying to experiment too early when you don't have the experience is just dangerous. For sure. Yeah, you touched upon speed. So, you know, that's something I've been hearing a lot about lately is speed and how companies should be trying to grow as fast as possible. You know, for me personally, as a completely bootstrapped founder like myself, we personally didn't have the luxury or the resources to grow at exponential speeds. Uh, Because we were bootstrapped, we had to be a bit more conservative and I guess move a bit slower because, you know, for us staying cash flow positive and profitable was always the most important thing. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Like, should companies be trying to grow fast or be patient? and methodical in their growth? Um, I think that if you're, well, so A, if you're bootstrapped, um, you need to, I mean, so should they grow without making money? No. Uh, I'm a big fan of customer financing. Um, I think that I've, I've never not built, since, since my company Spheric, so 2004 when I started that, I've gone from zero to a million in the first 12 months in every one of my companies. And the primary way I do that is through customer financing. I think that even today, I have to argue that you should sell the product before you actually build anything. Like no matter what idea, it doesn't matter if it's a service business or a product, a physical product, a software product, I can't understand a world where it makes sense to build it first and then go try to sell it. Like that's just the craziest thing in the world. The riskiest assumption is not, can I build it? It's, will anybody buy it? So why, you know, and there's so much proof around this being the best way to do it. When you look at Kickstarter, Indiegogo, crowdfunding campaigns, they're essentially uh, incredible examples of what I'm trying to say. So I would just say that's like, the number one thing is that if you can pre-sell it and obviously do some quick math on your cost of goods sold so you don't end up upside down. But um, yes, you need to at least break even, especially if you're bootstrapped or, or you're allowed to reinvest in growth if you actually have a channel that makes sense. So this is, you know, the other day I was working with a client and they're, they're a big client, over 10 million ARR. And I said, if I give you 5 million tomorrow, where would you deploy it? And they were like, we don't really know. And I was like, okay, well, let's just, I'm going to get you, I want you and your team to just analyze one channel. I don't care if it's Facebook, referrals, partner, whatever channel you want, just analyze it and give me some level of cost and an LTV for that channel, right? Like get the one that's got at least the data tagged properly. And they came back and they found an incredible uh, channel through, it was a Google AdWords campaign that was returning like five to one CAC to LTV ratio in like 60 days. And I'm like, 
dude, go like go max that thing out. Bring, you know, you'll probably break it, break it down, even one to three, like go, go take every spare dollar. And this is crazy because some of these companies I coach, they're very profitable, right? 40% net profit. And I'm like, why are you so profitable? Like, I don't want to hear that you're making that much profit because that tells me you don't understand how to reinvest and grow. So, um, yeah, I, I, I run a very fiscally, uh, responsible strategy and approach because at the end of the day, um, the, the purpose of a business is to generate a profit and grow. Uh, and if you don't do that, you don't have a business. Like there's so many entrepreneurs out there playing entrepreneur that don't have a business. It's, 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 it's laughable. I I mean, ever since I started my YouTube channel, that is the thing that bugs me the most is the amount of people that leave comments or message me. And when I go check out their online profiles, there's this like big, you know, facade of their success. Yet the questions they're asking me or the things they're telling me is like the opposite. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of actually building a real business. Yeah, that's so yeah. true. That's something uh, like Gary V talks about a lot. It's like, you know, nowadays everyone's putting entrepreneur on their Dude, it's been Instagram way too long. We've had a good market. Nine years yeah. of a bull market. Like, just wait till the water drops and everybody's exposed. We'll we'll, sh- we'll see clearly who actually had yeah. a real business. Or not. That's so true. Um, so one of the, the key takeaways uh, from the Growth Stacking Summit that, that I took away is something so simple, again, yet so powerful, and that's the the NSM, North Star Metric. Um, can, you, can you quickly describe what that is and maybe give an example or two of, of uh, what a SaaS company's North Star Metric should be? Yeah, so a North Star metric is essentially a ratio or some kind of calculation that tells you, ideally if it's going up, um, that your customers getting value from your product and your business is, is making money, essentially, right? So, for example, Airbnb's North Star metric is, is a, a total nights booked, right, in their platform. So, you know, how many total nights were booked last night? Because that'll tell you, A, Airbnb makes a percentage of their fee and uh, off that, that revenue, and B, um, uh, the clients that the supply side, you know, are, are getting bookings, which helps them make money and everybody's happy. Um, in a SaaS world, uh, typically it's uh, kind of some kind of retention number um, in social networks or marketplaces. Marketplaces, uh, more uh, GMV, gross merchandise uh, sales, which is Airbnb is a marketplace. Um, but SaaS, it's kind of like, uh, and it's different for every business, but um, one of my clients, uh, Ryan at Bucket.io, their their survey tool, their their North Star metric is, you know, um, a number. I think it's a twenty. I think it's seven per day. So you know, let's call it fifty. Uh, 50 survey submissions in the last week, right? So they're weekly active users. So essentially what percentage of their customer base has had 50 plus responses to their surveys, any surveys across their, their account in the last seven days. And that's their North star metric. So everything they do is to increase that from onboarding, activation, customer success, product templates, you know, every idea that their team comes up with in a sprint is towards improving their NSM, right? And once you have that, it just makes all decisions really easy to assess and evaluate. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. But in general, I guess for SaaS companies, more on the 
because because I was sort of like sh- not struggling, but thinking about like there's so many metrics for SaaS companies. Like, what should be that NSM? I guess it makes sense, like a, a retention number, because that tells you that you know your, your clients are, are using your app, and you know you're probably killing it as a company because you're retaining these customers and they're seeing value. So, it makes sense. Um, so for companies who are just starting out, or, or those companies that you know don't really have a huge presence in their industry, and it's another topic that um, that I got from the summit. Um, what are some steps they can take to become a, an authority in their industry? Uh, you know, that's a topic again that I've been thinking about recently, and something you talk about a bit. I think many founders might hear that and be sort of discouraged or unsure where to start, especially if there are huge companies already in their space. Uh, so, any tips for companies on how they can start becoming an authority in their industry? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, first you need to understand why becoming an authority matters so much. If you if you think about like the value stack of you know people getting paid, you know, like a, a doctor, uh, a generalist doctor makes the least amount of money in that stack, right? They're on the bottom, so a generalist is on the bottom. The, the next step up is a specialist, so that would be obviously you know your your throat doctor kind of thing. Um, the next step up is the expert. You know, the, this is the person teaching. Um, the specialist, right? So these are the people writing the books. They're the experts in the industry. They're the ones getting paid, you know, 25, 50K for a keynote for 45 minutes of their time. And then there's the authority, right? This is the person that influences the experts, right? These are all the people, you know, in the SaaS space that you guys all know that, um, uh, essentially set the, I mean, that's why I think Shopify has done such a great job, um, you know, growing is, is they're definitely the authority in the space, even though they weren't the first e-commerce platform out there. Magento was there before them and a few others, but they've definitely owned that uh, authority. Um, the easiest way to just start to build any kind of authority in the space is to answer your customers' top challenges, right? So great book called The Ask Method. Um, and in there, they have a strategy called the SMIQ, single most important question to ask your customers. And it goes something like, you know, when it comes to X challenge, what's the top or when it comes to X outcome, what's the top challenge that you're um, you're faced with today? Right. So if it's like when it comes to scaling your SaaS business, what's the top challenge uh, you're having? And then getting those answers and then using that to drive your content strategy is is literally the people are like how do you come up with all your ideas for my youtube channel here's here's the answer Costa. you want the inside deal please <laughs> all right so i have i have a, a smaller group called jfdi um which is my 10 million plus ARR SaaS founders that i that i coach and and um, the reason why it's a small group is because, uh, we actually go and do site visits. So I bring them into companies like WP engine and HubSpot and, and, and Twilio and some of the world's top SaaS companies. And during, uh, those two day sessions where we're together, uh, we go to different cities. Uh, I asked them, what are their top challenges that they're faced with right now in their business? And they, they give them to me and I put them on the you know, the whiteboard. And then over the next two days, we kind of work through them as a group. That becomes my content for my YouTube channel. So the reason why I do that is because I want to attract. So you think about the tip of the spear, who's your perfect customer? Well, my JFDI clients that I coach, they're the best of the best. They're good dudes building great businesses. And I want to create content that would attract more people like that. Now, do I still 
you know, uh, like my video this week about like how to gracefully fire somebody, um, is that approachable and, and something useful for somebody just starting off with one employee? Yes. But it's actually the strategy I shared in there was very much specific to, you know, how do you hire an executive or how do you fire an executive leader on your team? Because that's that's the scenario my client was faced with. Right. They had a very key person they had to let go and they were worried about how that impact would have. And, and so I just shared the five ways to do it. It's just the right way to do any firing period. Um, so that's just like I think probably the best way you can create authority is just education. Right. Just teach your market about the way you think. And, um, and even if you're like, well, I don't know that much, I'm still new, just find the other experts, right? Like you, like with a podcast, you build a platform, you, you bring other people that know about that topic. And through those, that kind of relationship, you become an authority because of the fact that you've had these people on your podcast. Does that make sense? Yeah, love yeah, it. That yeah. makes complete sense. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Dan, I do want to be mindful of your time. Uh, I do end off each episode with what I call the top three. You ready? Mm-hmm. Number one, your favorite business book. I know you, you mentioned the Ask Method. <sighs> My number one? Yes. Oh, man. that's a t- If you're saying, <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, what's the one book you need to read? It's Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Now. If you then ask me about specific challenges, I can give you number ones in all those, but that would be the the first one for sure. Okay, perfect. Number two, your top vacation spot. Uh, Somewhere's in the Bahamas with my kiteboard. Yeah, I love the Bahamas as well. Uh, And if you can go back in time, what do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, The importance of relationships and curating your peer group perfect and uh you're you're all over social media dan but where's the best place uh, people can reach you if they wanted to get in touch yeah so at dan martell on instagram uh if you have any follow-ups you can just dm me i'm I'm, it's like a public dm um you can also follow along on the stories I, i post quite a bit um and then if you want some more like how to do stuff for me my youtube channel you know i've been I got actually named the other day top 10 YouTube channels for entrepreneurs. I thought it was pretty crazy because, you know, number one was Gary Vee. Number two is Marie Forleo. Number three was, you know, these badasses. And then, you know, number five, I think, was Dan Martell. But wow. um, that's incredible. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's super cool. But um, yeah, so YouTube and then um, and then I'm, I'm Dan Martell on all social platforms. Thrills of Martell. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll add that on the show t- or the show notes. Um, Dan, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, I'm looking forward to continue watching your journey evolve and, and at the same time, continue to get a, a ton of value from the content and amazing information you put out for, for us. So thank you for that. Um, thanks again. I really hope we can do this again sometime. All right, Costa. Really appreciate it, man. Have All an right. amazing day. You too. Thanks, Dan. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear it. Be sure to check out founderviews.com for my latest posts and episodes on my journey with everything SaaS, business, and startups. Talk to you later. Peace.